الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاه والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وانك لعلى خلق عظيم قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم اني اعوذ بك من منكرات الاخلاق والاعمال والاهواء والادواء او كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم most respected brothers and elders brothers and sisters we are continuing in the same situation that we are in in terms of this lockdown the lockdown as discussed on several occasions already is not to be viewed as just something that has happened and we just carry on with life as we wish apart from the fact that we are restricted in our movements but nothing else changes that would indeed be a very great tragedy and that would really be a very great disaster actually in terms of what benefit we should have taken in moving forward and getting closer to allah taala so that is an important point to all the time remind ourselves that this is not just a time to while away heedlessly without any concern yes we are not of that caliber and we don't have that capacity that we may be able to continue in some amal 24/7 we will need our time to rest we will have our time to relax we will have some time with our families we will have some time taking care of various other things perhaps in the house all that is in its place 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 we have not been forbidden from these things rather whatever is within the limits of the shariat by all means that is in place that is in order but yes the very crucial thing is that we have to turn to allah taala most importantly turn to allah taala in sincere toba and repentance give up all sin this is a very tragic situation and that in this time when the signs of allah taala are so visible the warnings of allah taala are so clear and somebody continues heedlessly and still continues sinning this is indeed a very very dangerous situation so we need to make sincere toba turn to allah taala and increase our amal that is the very crucial thing the ruju ila allah turning to allah tabaraka wa taala that is the most important aspect so one is turning to allah taala by means of sincere toba sincere toba sincere toba truly and deeply regretting what we have done in the past begging allah taala's forgiveness 
resolving not to go back to it in future, and at the same time trying to increase the amal, the the nawafil salah as well, the faraiz, that goes without saying, but even the nawafil and tilawat of the Qur'an Sharif, tasbihat, zikr, which we have discussed several times already in the past days. All this that we are experiencing is in the name of a disease, in the name of a virus. So diseases, illnesses, is also things that have been discussed in the Qur'an Sharif, in the Ahadith of Rasulullah wasallam. In the Qur'an Sharif, the Ayat of the Qur'an Sharif, we discussed very briefly some days back. Ibrahim wasalam, he spelt it out that Allah Ta'ala is that being, وَإِذَا مَرِضُّ فَهُوَ يَشْفِينَ When I get ill, Allah alone is the one that gives shifa and gives cure. So this is a part of life, it happens that people get ill, people uh, experience various situations of ill health, and then they undertake treatment also, undertaking treatment is also sunnah, so they undertake treatment, but Allah alone is the shafi, Allah alone is the one who gives cure, and therefore we should be turning to Allah Ta'ala first. If there is some issue, the first thing is to turn to Allah Ta'ala. Sometimes there isn't time to for example, first make two rakats nafil and make dua. Something has happened and it requires immediate urgent attention. Now somebody has to be rushed to the doctor. Somebody has to be attended to immediately. So at that, so at that, so at that moment in time, immediately, there isn't a chance now to first make two rakats nafil and ask Allah Taala's help. So even there one will still make dua in the heart. Turn to Allah Ta'ala, to Allah Ta'ala immediately. First turn to Allah Ta'ala. For five seconds, ten seconds, turn to Allah Ta'ala. Ya Allah, you are the one who gives cure. Ya Allah, this situation too is, too is completely, in your control, completely in your control. Ya Allah, you remove the difficulty, grant ease, grant total shifa and afiyat. So ask Allah Ta'ala, beg His help. So that's the first thing to do. Then, together with that, we have been taught in the Hadith Sharif that treat your patients with sadaqah. With sadaqa, with sadaqa. The person who is a patient who is ill, so Rasulullah has taught us that treat the patient with sadaqah. How do we treat him with sadaqah? Meaning by giving sadaqah, by giving charity, and making dua to Allah Ta'ala, with the barakat of this, this brings about an ease in the situation. This is a means of shifa and cure from the ailment. So tzadaka is also to be done. Sometimes again, right at that moment, in that situation, immediately there isn't a chance to first give somebody some tzadaka because that person is not, nobody is in front of us there. But even then we can make a niyat immediately. That as soon as I have done with whatever the immediate need is, I have to rush somebody to the doctor, I will do that now. But as soon as I am done with this and there is some chance now, I have reached the doctor, or I have now somebody, or I am available to give something to, I will immediately give some sadaqah as well. Whatever amount, whatever amount. We are currently in this 
situation of a lockdown, perhaps some might be still having it very easy. Many people are having it very difficult. On the behalf of the Ummad, the Ummad, we should be giving some sadaqah from time to time, daily if possible, some amount, whatever amount. It doesn't always have to be a very big amount. Sometimes we can afford more, we give more. But in any case, we should be trying to give something or the other every day. In the Hadith Sharif, it comes, As-Sadaqatu Tutfi'u Ghadab Ar-Rab That Sadaqa extinguishes the wrath of Allah Ta'ala. So we have invited the wrath of Allah Ta'ala with our amal. We just consider only Salah itself. What is situation we have brought about ourselves that we have brought these difficult conditions. If we look at Salah alone, we'll understand that it is only Allah Ta'ala's clemency, it is His mercy that worse has not happened to us. We ask Allah Ta'ala for afiyah from every difficulty, every hardship, every calamity. To understand this just in the context of one hadith of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, that how important this is, in one hadith, Rasulullah Sallallahu explains, "Inna bayna rajuli wa bayna shirki wal kufri tarka salah." That the barrier between a person and kufr and shirk is the leaving out of salah. In other words, a person who has left out salah, then he is already now right at the border. I don't know when he will now hop over. In other words, a person abandons salah. When he abandons salah, then now what's left in Deen? He has abandoned Salah, he's right at the border. You don't know when next he will do something that will now just flip him over. So this is how crucial it is. Now, one is a person has totally abandoned Salah, but even missing out one Salah, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says in the Hadith Sharif, مَنْ فَاتَتْهُ صَلَاةٌ فَكَأَنَّمَا وُتِرَ أَهْلُهُ وَمَالُهُ person who misses one salah, meaning he has missed it in time, didn't perform it out of neglect, out of carelessness. One is something that was beyond his control. He uh, made the effort to try and wake up on time. He had the alarm set. Everything was done what was in his means and capacity. But something didn't work out. That alarm, something happened, didn't ring. Or sometimes the person was so exhausted that alarm rang, but it just never, he never just heard it. And he overslept. Now that was something beyond him. Allah Ta'ala will pardon him. He must make the qaza as soon as he realizes that he is Mr. Salah. He should not delay the qaza in any way. But something that's beyond him, then Allah Ta'ala will pardon him. But how much is really beyond us? By and large, it is neglect. It is careless. Does uh, not... The person who did not come to attend the Salah with Jama'ah in the Masjid and he is performing it at home. He is not that he is totally missing the Salah out entirely, that he did not perform it at all. He is performing it at home, but he did not attend the Salah with Jama'ah. So Rasulullah is so disturbed about this. So he says that it was my desire that somebody be appointed to perform the Salah, to lead the Salah in the Masjid. And then I would go to the homes of those who are performing the Salah at home and did not come to attend the Salah with Jama'ah. 
and my desire was to burn down their homes. Now, this is not a minor thing. The expression is very, very major. It's not a minor thing. The expression is very severe. The warning is very severe that it was my intention to go and burn down their homes. Who is speaking? Rahmatul lil alameen. Rasulullah who was a mercy unto the entire world and the universe. But he is so affected by this, he is so disturbed by this. Now the question is that what does Nabi Wasallam become disturbed with? What, what disturbed him? Was he disturbed because somebody abused him, for example? So that didn't disturb him. There were the occasions where the Quraysh would compose very, very uh, derogatory poetry against Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Can we imagine Allah's Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the greatest of the man, greatest of mankind, greatest of the creation of Allah Ta'ala. And na'uzu billah, this derogatory poetry being composed against him. And this would come to his attention. But he would very, very casually just deflect it and he would say that I don't know who they're talking about. They are talking about somebody else, not me. Because they would, na'uzubillah, distort his Mubarak name as well. So now that name to us something else, though the intention was obvious who they were intending, but Nabi Salaam would say that they're talking about somebody else. He didn't take any effect from that. On one occasion, one person, one Bedouin villager, who didn't have the knowledge of etiquette, didn't, people who grew up in that, manner in the uh, desert, etc., in the villages, far away from the cities. Now, they just grew up without any etiquette. They didn't have any idea how to conduct themselves. This person comes and he grabs hold of the shawl of Rasulullah and he says, Murli indak, that the wealth of Allah Ta'ala that you have, give me some from it. Now, he pulls the Mubarak shawl in such a way that it hurts Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But what is his response? He smiles at the person. And he says to somebody, give him something. Now these things didn't disturb him. When his daughter, Hazrat Sayyidah Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha, she came with a request that there was a very, very difficult situation at home that she had to take care of all the household work herself and very difficult work, not the kind of work that we can imagine nowadays. Nowadays, a lot of it is by pressing buttons. Those days, everything had to be done right from scratch, let alone just make that roti. First, you have to grind the flour yourself. And like that, that milk had to be, you had to go and milk the animal. Water had to be fetched. And so many things were done in a very, very difficult way. The cooking had to be done on open fire and the smoke, etc. So Sayyidah Fatima anha, she came to request that there have been some slaves, female slaves as well would have been there. So if some slave could have been given to her to help her with the housework. But what did Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam give her? He, he gave her tasbih Fatimi. He gave her tasbih Fatimi, the tasbih hard to recite, to recite at the time at the time of going to bed, thirty-three times Subhanallah, thirty-three times Alhamdulillah, 
and 34 times Allahu Akbar. And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said to her, this is better for you than a khadim, better for you than a servant. And she happily took it. So this was obviously very difficult on him as well to see that his daughter is having to go through this difficulty. But that didn't disturb him in that manner. Rather he's giving her this tasbihat. But what disturbed him? What disturbed him is that people are performing their salah at home while they should have been in the masjid. That was disturbing him. And what was what disturbed Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Only that which displeased Allah Ta'ala. Something that displeased Allah Ta'ala, that is what was disturbing to him. So when Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa is sounding such a grave warning, that it was my desire to go and burn down the homes of such people, we can understand from this what is the extent of the displeasure of Allah Ta'ala from this. That a person who was supposed to have been in the masjid, and without a valid reason, is not there. Now currently, we are restricted from the masajid. This is one of the reasons why there should be such a pain in our hearts. That the house of Allah Ta'ala has been now restricted. We cannot go. We should be crying in our hearts that, Ya Allah, please open the doors of your masjid again for us. So right now we are in a situation of helplessness in a way. That way we are not able, not able to access the masajid. Most are in the same situation, in the same situation. But where the person, when the doors of the masjid were wide open for us, but how much did we take note of that? And what percentage of the ummah was filling the house of Allah Ta'ala at the time of Salah? Allah Ta'ala is so displeased with this, that is the reflection in the words of Rasulullah wasallam. That he is saying that it was my desire to go and burn down those homes. Now if that, this is what? For what? Not for missing out the salah entirely. Nabi Islam says that I wish to go down to the homes of people who are not coming for salah with jama'ah and they are performing their salah at home. Now this is on missing jama'ah without a valid shari reason. Now this is the point to extract. That if this is the case with missing out the salah with jama'ah, then what is the extent of the displeasure of Allah Ta'ala when a person misses the salah itself without a valid reason? How severe is this? Can we imagine the displeasure of Allah Ta'ala on this? And now when salah upon salah, people in numerous homes, when large percentage of the community, when a very great percent of the ummah is missing out salah after salah, and he's not even crossing anybody's mind that what am I doing? So how much of the wrath of Allah Ta'ala is being brought down by this action of ours? By missing out salah. Now in this kind of situation, kind of situation where we have now been grounded due to our actions. And this is a small little reminder of where we are heading to. But in this situation also, if we do not become conscious of our salah, the time just wiles away, passes by, there is no uh, concern that the time of Salah has come now. The first priority now is for me to perform my Salah. And we just go on casually without any concern. That is indeed a very dangerous situation. It is inviting the wrath of Allah Ta'ala. In the midst of a calamity, calamity also a person is not turning to Allah Ta'ala. And missing the Salah itself. Many 
are now spending late nights because now they're free the whole day and night the next day they don't have to work. So they're spending the, uh, in some aspect or the other. Allah knows best. Some are playing games and doing what not till the late eight hours of the night. People sitting on their phones and as a result they're missing their Fajr Salah. Even in these halat and conditions, this is indeed a very, very tragic situation. So we need to make sincere Tawbah. We need to make Tawbah from all the Salah we missed and then make the Qaza of it. Those who have Qaza still left, this is an ideal moment, ideal time to fulfill those Qazas. After every Salah, before Salah, at least two, three Salahs Qaza we complete. In one day we'll make 15, 20 Salahs Qaza. Now somebody has sometimes a few months Qaza left over, some have one, two years, some have five, ten years. But if we start something, inshallah we'll start getting somewhere. And right now we have such an opportunity, because we have nothing else to do. We have to complete uh, these Qazas. This is the time now to take advantage of this. And inshallah with the barakat of turning to Allah Ta'ala with these amal, there is hope that these difficulties and calamities will be uplifted. So in any case, this is something now that we need to become very conscious about our salah and become very, very diligent in the performance of the salah, all the five daily salah, and show our children also performing their salah properly on time. Nobody should be missing their salah. This is an extremely important aspect. So in any case, what we were discussing is that we have to turn to Allah Ta'ala and turning to Allah Ta'ala is in two aspects primarily. One is in making sincere tawbah and the second is increasing our amal. Our amal, amal, there's amal of different categories. They are the amal that pertain to the external self, salah, that is an amal that's pertaining to the external self. We have to perform the salah, make the qiyam, the ruku, the sajda, etc. And like that, there are many, many other amal that are done externally, the faraiz, the nawafil, etc. Tilawat of the Qur'an Sharif, the tasbihat that we recite, etc., etc. Then there's also amal batina They are amal of the internal self. And this is generally described as akhlaq. Now this whole situation has come upon us in the form and Allah Ta'ala alone is the one who grants complete cure, so we should be turning to Allah Ta'ala. So in any case, this aspect of shifa and afiyat from all diseases, we have been taught to make dua for that as well. Among the duas that Rasulullah Sallallahu taught, he made himself. According to one version, the wording is Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min munkarati al-akhlaqi wal-aqi wal-a'mali wal-ahwa'i wal-adwa. And according to some narrations, in this particular wording is only Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min munkarati al-akhlaqi wal-a'mali wal-ahwa'i. Another narration, Allahumma jannibni munkarati al-akhlaq wal-a'mal wal-ahwa'i wal-adwa'i. In any case, there are four things that have been sought refuge from. And we are asking Allah Ta'ala to protect us from it. Now what are these things? Now it is very significant that the four things that are mentioned, one is akhlaq, the second is a'mal. Ya Allah protect me, munkaratil akhlaq. 
Munkarat, Munkar means something that is evil, something that is wrong, something that is bad, something that is regarded as uh, uh, to be left out. People don't feel good about it. People are not even, they, they feel uncomfortable about it. It's wrong. So things that one is people regard as wrong and the other is that the Shariat has also declared things to be wrong. So things that things that are declared as wrong in the Shariat is also Munkar. And some things are declared as wrong even in common sense. Some things common sense doesn't understand it. But Shariat has given us that, it has given us that, it has given us that understanding, standing, standing. So what is common sense also? That too we have to understand that that's wrong, wrong. And beyond common sense is where Shariat has told us things are wrong, this is, things are wrong, this is wrong. Even if the whole society says nothing wrong with it, they can't see the wrong. Like the kinds of dressing, for example, the society says what's wrong with it. But Shariat says certain kinds of dressing is totally wrong. That's what's munkar. Munkar means something's evil, wrong. So we're asking Allah Ta'ala to protect us. Min munkaratil akhlaq. From evil character. Wal a'mal. Evil actions. Wal ahwa. Evil desires. And the fourth thing that is mentioned is wal adwa. And diseases, sicknesses. Severe sicknesses. So these are the four things mentioned in this hadith, in this dua, four things that refuge is being sought from. Now the fourth thing that is mentioned here is diseases. So right now, this is the talk of the moment. Everywhere, this is the discussion of the disease, of the virus. So yes, so yes, we should make dua. We should make dua to Allah to protect us from all these kind of diseases. There are many other duas as well. اللهم إني أعوذ بك من البرس والجنون والجزام وسيء الأسقام. So all these du'as we should try and learn, and this is also another very important aspect to learn the masnoon du'as and to read them at the relevant occasions. The masnoon du'as to learn them and read them at the relevant occasions. This is a very great way of getting closer to Allah Taala. All the various day-to-day things that we do, eating, drinking before sleeping, after waking up, before entering the toilet, after leaving the toilet, at the time of wudu, before uh, entering, the, entering the masjid, after leaving the masjid, and every action there is some masnoon dua, before le- when leaving the house, when entering the home, there are numerous duas, there are beautiful kitabs on dua, simple duas, there are some uh, publications that are very easily that, that uh, are easily available and very simply providing all these du'as to be learned in the makatib. These du'as are taught. Our children who are in maktab, they would have some of these kitabs. The Talimi board website, if you go into that, you will be able to download these kitabs. Every day, every week, we learn one du'a and we start practicing on it and see what a difference it makes in our life. So in any case, this du'a, there are four things mentioned here. Things mentioned here. The fourth aspect was sicknesses, diseases. But then these three things that are mentioned before it, bad character, bad actions, and evil desires. So bad character actually refers to the inner side, what's in the heart. 
And then bad actions refers to the external side. So the sins of the heart, this is bad character. But that bad character, the sins of the heart and the evil characteristics in the heart, that is what dictates how a person then conducts himself externally. And then evil desires, when evil desires overtake one, one becomes a slave of his desires, then there's nothing that can then become a barrier between the person and his destruction. Because when he has become a slave of his desires, then he just goes headlong into every wrong. So therefore, this is the aspect that is now being taught to us, that look, you should be seeking the refuge of Allah Ta'ala and making an effort to stay away from all these things. But it is very significant that in together with these three things, the fourth thing mentioned is diseases. The message that is being given to us in a way is that even bad character is a disease. It's a sickness. And if the sickness is not treated like we treat external sicknesses, physical illnesses, if we don't treat this illness of the heart, it gets worse. And it goes from bad to worse. Now many people, we are in this lockdown situation and before this lockdown started, when the announcement was made, that two days time, three days time is going to be this lockdown. So several people were expressing their concern. What the concern is now 21 days I'm going to be cooped up at home. Now they're not talking about in a two by two house. Mashallah they are living in good sized homes. They say I'm going to be cooped up at home with the family etc. And how am I going to manage to handle this? And one person jokingly said I don't know who is going to bash who up first. He didn't mean it, obviously, but the question comes that why is this concern? What is the reason? Because is there going to be some kind of lack of oxygen in the home? There's more people now the whole day, they're going to breathe all the oxygen away. So now people are going to now be starving of oxygen. Is that going to be the reason? Normally the house is not so occupied. There's less people, so therefore they will be able to breathe more easily. Well, that's not the case. Allah Ta'ala has, mashallah, provided the oxygen for us for free and there's no shortage of oxygen in our homes. Alhamdulillah. So why was this unease? This unease. And one person, this was prior to this lockdown that we started experiencing. It was when uh, the Chinese situation, after some time had passed in their lockdown and now when things started slowly opening out, so there was an article somebody forwarded that unfortunately the divorce rate spiked in those places where was this lockdown. So people were in a lockdown situation and the divorce rate after this lockdown opened up they realized now because there's some formal processes so there were big numbers of people were applying now for divorce in the courts or whatever the process is there. Now this was a very strange thing that it was expected now that people had more time with their families. So there should have been a better situation now. There should have been an increased uh, level of bonding, understanding, affection. And here it's gone the opposite, that the, uh, the divorce rate spiked up. So how does this add up? The way it adds up is that it doesn't add up to anything, but there's a lot of subtraction here. Not adding anything but subtracting a lot that because good akhlaq 
was subtracted from the equation. It was divided, it was subtracted, it was completely taken out, or whatever the case might have been, but the lack of good akhlaq, and this is anyway for that matter, that now when people are in testing situations, it tests more than anything else, it tests the akhlaq. When people are in a testing situation, the first thing that it tests is, it tests their akhlaq. When a person is not well, uh, that's a testing situation, and when a person is not well, he becomes a little miserable, feels a little down, he feels a little uncomfortable, feels uneasy. Uh, that the time that his akhlaq gets tested also. What kind of akhlaq? Person is hungry. Now the person is hungry, so that's not an ideal situation. It's a testing situation. Because now there's a pain. There's the pangs of hunger. Now in the pangs of hunger now there's a test. This is a trial. What gets tested first? The first thing that gets tested is his akhlaq. How does he handle this? Does he handle it with sabr? With tolerance? Yes, whatever has to be addressed will be addressed. If supposing there was some neglect in having things ready, then that will be addressed in an appropriate manner. But often there isn't a neglect. It's just something that was beyond anybody's control. Something sometimes just gets delayed, whatever the case is. Now the person is hungry. Now how does he react to that situation? Or the person wanted something and they didn't get what they wanted. They deeply were wishing that I should have this or I should uh, the certain uh, desire or wish of mine should be now taken care of. I should be granted what I'm asking for. I wanted that item. I wanted something. I wanted to go someplace or whatever the issue might have been. And the person was now really aspiring for that and waiting for it and the days might have ticked by and now the time came for that to be given and something went wrong, it didn't happen or to go to that place and didn't work out. Ah, that's a testing situation. Now this test, when it comes, the first thing that it tests is a person's akhlaq. How does a person now react? Sometimes the situation tests a person internally. That somebody uh, conducted themselves in an inappropriate manner. They said something inappropriate. They did something inappropriate which hurt us. We are insan. We got offended. It's understood. We got offended. And it's not uh, something out of this world or unusual. We got offended. That's understood. It happens. But now that offense which is natural, that hurt which is natural, now that's going to, going to even test our akhlaq. Now people when they get hurt sometimes, so how they react? Some people fly into a rage. Some people start using all kinds of vulgarities. Some people start throw, throwing a tantrum. All these kind of things happen. And yes, we're not talking about little children. Yes, children throw tantrums. And people in their advanced ages also throw tantrums sometimes. And the children also sometimes probably are watching in amazement that uh, I thought this was me. But it seems like I'm not the only one throwing tantrums around. So now this is a test of akhlaq. And we fail in the test. We start doing things which should not be done. We start saying things that should not be said. The reason being, we haven't learnt akhlaq. 
And now in this dua, we are being taught to make dua and ask Allah Ta'ala's protection from evil character, from bad akhlaq, poor akhlaq, from bad actions, from evil desires, and from diseases. So now we are being taught that just as if a disease has affected somebody, somebody is now sick, he's ill, whatever the disease might be, whatever the illness might be, so now immediately the person is concerned that I must now get treatment. I must treat this malady, this illness, otherwise if this gets deeper, it's going to become a problem. So now sometimes it's on a level where maybe some home medication might suffice, Sometimes that's not sufficient, it will require the, a visit to the doctor. The doctor sometimes might suffice on some medication, and sometimes he would say, no, this antibiotics, etc. is not sufficient, you're going to have to take an injection as well. And then sometimes even the doctor says that, look, this is not good enough, this injection and medication is not sufficient, you are going to have to be hospitalized. So now the person now, it's expensive, whatever the case is, he says, well, if the doctor's orders now, I've got no choice and trying to borrow the money, the public hospitals, whatever the case is, but now if i got no other way, I have to go. So now the person accepts the hospitalization. Why? To get the illness treated. And then sometimes the doctor says, look, the hospital also is not good enough. You are going to have to go into theater. You are not just going to be able to get this sorted out by lying in the ward. We are going to have to take you into theater, and there is going to be a, an operation that is required. And then sometimes it is an ICU situation. But the person for his physical health is ready for whatever it takes to treat it. And whatever is necessary that has to be done, it's done. But when it comes to our spiritual health, when it comes to the disease of bad akhlaq, 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 now there isn't sabr, so now there isn't a vacuum in these aspects of akhlaq, there isn't a vacuum that for example, a person is not miserly also, and the person is not generous also. He's neither miserly and he's neither generous. It can't happen. It's one of the two. That the person is not a coward and he's not brave also. He's not brave too and he's not a coward too. It can't happen. He is either of one. Yes, he might be not very brave. Or he might not be a total coward. But it's not possible that he has like neither here nor there. He'll be somewhere. So likewise, either he has this sabr, this helm and tolerance, or he's intolerant. Now that intolerance is a disease, it's a sickness. Either the person has this forbearance, tolerance, or he has this uncontrolled anger. It's going to be one of these things. Now if he has that sabr, and he has that control over his anger, then he will be able to now the, the emotions are welling in, but he'll be able to conduct himself correctly. He'll be able to stop and think first what he's saying, and then say what is correct to say. And what is irrelevant, what is not required to be said, then he won't say it. He'll be able to suppress his negative emotions and still conduct himself positively. Now this is what this good akhlaq is all about. Now, if he has treated his illnesses, if the person has treated the pride, the illness of pride, which is bad akhlaq, then the good of tawazu and humility will now flourish. 
And now that he's got tawazu in him, he will be able to take things very much in his stride. A lot of things happen, but he'll be able to take it in his stride. And he'll be able to digest it very easily. Now when people are in, a, in our understanding now cooped up together over a period of time in a way that perhaps didn't happen in their life, all these people are together on some outing and here and there, but cooped up in their own homes for that extent of time without the normal routines is a very different situation. But what's going to make a person survive correctly in this situation? Rather than becoming a problem, what's going to help people to enhance that bond? This too is a time to now, Allah has made it as an opportunity. Yes, this, we have to take the positive out of every negative situation. The situation in itself is a negative, but we have to take the positive out of it. That make it a situation that has drawn us towards Toba, towards Istighfar. A situation that has driven us to now become more conscious of our deen. To turn to Allah wa ta'ala, to improve in our amal, to improve in our akhlaq, to build the relationships with our immediate household people, with our spouses, with our children, our parents. This is also part of it. But now what's going to make that happen? This good akhlaq. To the extent that this good akhlaq is in us, then we'll be able to use this opportunity, it's an opportunity, while in itself it's a difficult situation, it's a test, it's a trial, it's a uh, quite a trial, but at the same time we can make it, because we've got no other option right now, we have to make it, in an make it into an opportunity for many positive things. So now by dealing with that good akhlaq, by adopting the Mubarak way of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam by reading about his Mubarak life, there are many authentic kitabs, the Shamail al-Tirmizi, where the ahadith of Rasulullah wasallam, the, the description of all his characteristics are included in this kitab. There's a more detailed kitab, Shamail al-Kubra. We might have copies of these if we don't. Then in many other kitabs, a lot of this is discussed there. Even in the Fazail al-Amal, there are many things that are discussed there. So we should be taking the, the time to read through this, read it with our families, learn to improve our amal. There are bayans that are available online on the topic of akhlaq by our ulama ikram. So, from the authentic ulama and mashayikh, we listen to this and try to improve on our akhlaq. And this will become a time that will help us to become better people. So, in this dua, on the one hand, we are being taught to ask for safety from all these things to ask for the help of Allah Ta'ala, for the protection of Allah Ta'ala from all kinds of diseases, from bad character, from bad actions, from evil desires. But at the same time, there's a very big lesson that to the extent that we adopt this good akhlaq, akhlaq is such a great thing that the person who has this beautiful akhlaq, he's got the greatest wealth. He's got really the greatest wealth. He's got the wealth of dunya and akhirat. Because this good akhlaq will bring the good of dunya and it will bring the good of akhirat as well. In the Hadith Sharif, Rasulullah says that there is nothing weightier on the scales of good deeds on the day of Qiyamah min khuluqin hasan than good akhlaq. So this good akhlaq, we have to be very, very conscious, very careful about this, learn about this good akhlaq. And people have made very great efforts to bring this good akhlaq in them. 
people put themselves into great uh, exercises, meaning through a process to learn the Sakhlaq, to inculcate the good character. So we too have to learn it. We have to learn it from people who can guide us in this regard and who can help us to acquire this good Akhlaq by submitting ourselves to their guidance and by relating our situation, taking the advice, applying that advice and in this way, step for step, inshallah, we'll be able to pass through this, pass through this, pass through this process of, process of, process of improving our akhlaq. So that is what's going to make this time a, a, a time that will become positive for us. It'll become positive for the, the taluk and the relationship between all the people of the household. It'll become a means of enhancing that muhabbat. It'll become a means of enhancing that bonds between everybody. Otherwise, Allah forbid, one is we are already in a difficulty. This is already one trial. This one trial will become many more trials. It will start becoming a problem in the sense that it will start creating uh, animosity. It will start creating all kinds of difficulties between people because of a lack of akhlaq. So now we have to increase the level of akhlaq. Because obviously it's a testing time. And when it's a testing time, then everything that's required in a time of test is increased. Now, it's a testing time, so the hospitals are all increasing their capacity. They are buying more equipment, people are buying more masks, people are buying more protective gear, and they're putting in more uh, ventilators in hospitals. Why? Because it's a testing time. There's a lot of disease around. So now it's a testing time for akhlaq. We have to raise the bar for akhlaq. Not at the same level. No, when there's a testing time, everything has to go at a higher level. So now we have to raise the akhlaq, raise the level of tolerance, raise the level of sabr, raise the level of compassion and kindness, raise the level of khidmat. This is to become now every person's uh, nature now, that he is ready to serve everybody else, not waiting to be served. Every person is having this jazba that I should become the one to serve everyone. And when everyone has this jazba, then everybody will be happy with each other. And once somebody is now always giving commands and somebody is on the receiving end, then after a moment of some time, one, two days, five days, then things start becoming sour and then become bitter and then becomes a major problem. Then it starts exploding somewhere. So now to keep things sweet, we have to adopt sweet akhlaq, good akhlaq. And that good akhlaq, inshallah, will help us to grow. It will help us to enhance the bonds of muhabbat. It will help us to enhance the relationship between all the members of the household. And that will become a means of us get, getting closer to Allah Ta'ala as well. So together with all the aspects of deen, this is an extremely important aspect that we enhance this akhlaq. Among the many, uh, the very effective things in this regard is to read about the incidents of akhlaq of the pious people, of the predecessors. Much of it is also in the lives of the Sahaba Ikram, the stories of Sahaba, in the Fazail Amal, many things of akhlaq we'll find there. Let us read this. Many other kitabs are also available. If we have copies of this, or many things are now days downloadable. We try to download something authentic, obviously, and read about these incidents of akhlaq that will become a means of inspiration for us. And inshallah, we too will then progress in this way. Allah tabarak wa ta'ala, give us the tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Inshallah, make zikr for a few minutes and dua. Beside the Rushdi.
Allah, 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 Allah,